Thank you for being here this morning. You know, as we begin the new year, I wonder, uh, have you made some resolutions? Are there some uh, things that you have looked forward to that you're going to do differently? Or some things that you're going to take up this year that you've not done before? One fellow put his uh, New Year's resolution this way. In 2010, he wrote, I will get my weight down below 180. That's a good goal. 2011, I will watch my calories and get my weight below 190. Huh. 2012, I will follow my new diet and get my weight below 200. Ah. 2013, I will work out five days a week at Gold's Gym. 2014, I will work out three days a week at Gold's Gym. 2014, I will drive past the gym at least once a week. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hopefully, that's not the way you're going to be with the New Year's resolutions that you are making. I want to talk with you this morning about some guidelines for new resolutions. If you've got your uh, Bible with you, you may want to follow. We're going to be looking today in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. As you read that chapter, Paul has some things to say to us that uh, I want to note five of them today. And if you want to follow, there's an outline in your Bible st- in your program of our Bible study. I'd encourage you to stay with us today. Well, first of all, let me check with you if I can. Ephesians 5, verse 15, and Paul wrote these words concerning our lives. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So the first thing I want to tell you is that our time on earth is limited. And so Paul says you need to be very careful how you live. Over in the New Living Translation, it says, don't live like fools but rather live like wise people. In 1967, experts made some predictions that were kind of unusual. They said in a few years, we will be working only 22 hours a week, and we will only work 27 weeks a year. Man, did they miss it. They said the biggest problem is going to be, what do you do with all of your leisure time? And you know, it seems like we have not had any more leisure time than normal since those days because life continues to build up. My father-in-law is 96, and yet he still is busy doing things, working and serving, even as God wants us to do. Back in the book of Psalm, chapter 39, verse 4, the Lord said, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that our days are numbered. How fleeting my life is, out of the New Living Translation. And in Psalm 90, verse 10, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. And soon they disappear, and we fly away. Remember that song, We Fly Away? That's where it comes from, Psalm 90, verse 10. Let's sing a verse of that. Paul, would you lead us? When this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. I'll fly away, O glory. I'll 
fly away in the morning when I die. Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. But if you want to know where that came from, that came from Psalm 90, verse 10, and it explains what's going to happen to us. So we need to realize that we've got limited time and be wise in the way we use our time. A couple years back, uh, People's Magazine had an advertising about a clock that was made whereby you could tell how much time you had left. And they calculated that men would live to 75 and women to 80. And so every day you could check in and find out how many days you had left. Well, it was not a very big seller because, you know, there is no guarantee about how many days you have left. But realize that your time is limited and use your time wisely in this new year. Well, number two, check with me, if you will, here on verse 16, when he says, Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He said, you and I need to make the most of every opportunity we have. Over in the book of Luke chapter 10, there is a story of Jesus and two of the ladies that he especially loved, Mary and Martha. You may remember that uh, he had gone to their home, and while he was there, Martha was in the kitchen preparing supper for Jesus. Mary was at the feet of Jesus. And Martha came in and she said, Lord, will you tell my sister to get off her haunches and come in the kitchen and help me? Now, I know how my wife prepares when we have company. And I know that Martha must have been very much the same way. She was so busy, wanted everything to be just perfect. And you think if the one who was your guest was Jesus, how a lady would want everything to be just perfect perfect because the Lord's presence there and she came in and uh, she scolded Mary and wanted Jesus help and you remember the words of Jesus Jesus said only one thing to be concerned about and Mary has discovered it that is the most important thing was to be able to to grow spiritually and to know that you have an opportunity to do those things that are going to help you to grow and be what it is that God wants you to be. Over in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 10, Paul said, I want you to, to use every opportunity to do good unto all men. Make every opportunity you have one that you're going to take advantage of. Several years ago, there was a Starbucks drive-through in Pennsylvania. And as a lady came through the drive-in, she said to the uh, young man who was making her coffee, listen, I'd like to pay for the man who is behind me in that car. So I want to just give it to you, and you just charge it up to my account. And the driver said, the man said, you know, that'd be a neat thing. And so the lady drove on, and the man drove up, and uh, the man who was serving coffee said, the lady who just left here, she said she wanted to just pay for yours too today. And so she paid, you don't have any bill. man said, well, you know that's a nice thing. I just want to pay for the fellow who is behind me. And that went on 
for a hundred cars that somebody was paying for the person behind them. And those who were in charge said, you know, we have never seen anything like that. But you know, it was an opportunity to do good, and the lady took advantage of it. And I wonder, are you taking advantage of the opportunities that you have? The uh, Rotary Club that I'm in takes up uh, contributions for the salvation every year by ringing bells. And so here a couple weeks ago, Melvin Eads and I were out by pennies and we were ringing bells, encouraging people to give to the Salvation Army. You know, it was just an opportunity to serve and uh, we were glad that we could take advantage of that. We had good weather this year. Some years we've had terribly cold weather, but we'd still be there because that's an opportunity to serve and to help. When I got home, my wife had uh, made some special cakes and written out some little notes. And she said, I want you to take these to the neighbors so that we can wish them a happy holiday and a Merry Christmas. And so I was out taking cakes around, delivering them to the neighbors as an opportunity, you know, to let people know about the Lord and about the church. Now, whether any of these people will ever come, I don't know. But we're at least trying to make it so that they know that we love them and we care about them and we are interested in them. Paul said, whatever you do, I want you to make the most of every opportunity. And when you have an opportunity to serve and to help somebody as a child of God, Paul said, let's do that. And as we begin the new year, let's especially be people who are taking advantage because we know that God wants us to do that. Well, number three, the last part of chapter 16, he says, I want you to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, what in the world did Paul have in mind when he said the days are evil? Somebody wrote these words. They said, you cannot change the direction of the wind, but we can adjust our sails. You and I have an opportunity to do things that are going to be good because we realize how much evil there is in the world. The date was December 16, 2012, and the place was Sandy Hooks Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut. And a man by the name of Adam Lonza on that day had begun by murdering his mother. And then he went to the elementary school in Sandy Hooks and he killed 20 school children between 6 and 7 years old. And then he killed 6 of the school staff. They never discovered what his motive was. But here was a man showing how wicked things are in our world. Even as Paul said that the days are evil. You know what the Bible says? You and I, as we see the world getting darker and darker, it was Jesus who said, you are the light of the world, Matthew 5.14. And if the world is ever going to see the light of God in the life of the things that are good, it's going to be in the life of those who are the children of God. The days are evil. I was checking on my computer and uh, I wondered what were the most Googled names up this year. And in Google's, Google search says that the ten names that came up the most for people looking at this year were Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, Michael Phelps, Bernie Sanders, Stephen Avery, Ryan Lochte, 
Simone Biles, Cam Newton, Usain Bolt, and Kevin Durant. Well, I read I knew all those names except one, Stephen Avery. So I thought, well, you know, if he was one of the most uh, checked on names by people, I wonder who in the world this guy is. And uh, I checked and found out that Stephen Avery was a young man in Wisconsin. At age 22, he was convicted of rape and attempted murder and sentenced to 36 years in prison. Well, after he had served 18 years, they did DNA tests and they found out that he was not guilty of the rape and attempted murder that he'd been convicted of, and they let him out of prison. Well, when they let him out of prison, after 18 years, he sued the officials for $36 million. While they were waiting on a decision as to whether he's going to get the $36 million or not, he committed a murder of a lady who was a photographer, and he went back into prison again. What a strange case. Netflix did a documentary called Managing a Murder about the story about Stephen Avery. And so I found out who he was, not impressed. But he is one that just coincides with exactly what Paul said when he said, I want you to know the days are evil. And the, the darker the world gets, the more the children of God ought to shine as the light of God. And so as we enter into the new year, as one of God's children, you be the light God wants you to be in the midst of a dark world. And then in verse 17, he adds these words. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You and I are challenged to understand what God's will is. If you have your Bible there in Ephesians chapter 5, turn back, if you will, to verses 1 and 2 when Paul wrote these words. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ Jesus loved us and gave Himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. He said, what I want you to do is, he said, I want you to walk in the way of love. And he cited as our example, Jesus Christ. He said what he did was a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. A fragrant offering was living in the way of love. Now, when he used those words, I think he was referring back to... Uh, what was known to the Old Testament is Leviticus 1 through 5. And there were three offerings the burnt offering, the meal offering, and the peace offering. And they were associated with a sweet smell when they were offered up to God. And he said, What you and I ought to be are people who, as we live with love, we are going to be offering a fragrant offering up to God. Well, what does it mean to live a life of love? 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, I want to tell you what it means. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and following, love is patient. Are you living with patience? Love is kind. Are you kind? 
It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Uh. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now what Paul says is, that if you and I live that way, then we're going to be a sweet fragrance in the nostrils of God. And as God sees His children living that way, it is a pleasant thing to God to know that His children are living that way. So he says, what I want you to know is, I want you to understand what the Lord's will is. Now, how do you understand what God's will is? The only way that you'll ever know what God's will is, is by God's Word. And that's why we gather in the middle of the week on Wednesday nights, so that you can have a better opportunity to know what God's will is. And uh, this next Wednesday night, I'm going to begin a short series on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you to come and be here and be a, a part of that, because we can know more about what God's will is. And God's will is that as we live, we're going to be people who live in love. In John 13, verse 35, it was Jesus who said, By this will all men know you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. And as you and I treat each other that way, then that comes up to God as a sweet savor, something that is pleasant in the nostrils of God because He sees His children acting that way. He said, I want you to know what the Lord's will is. And then down in verses 19 and 20, he gives a fifth thing that he says, I want you to understand. He says concerning our lives, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said two things. I want you, number one, I want you to sing. And number two, I want you to be thankful. Now, I wonder, as God has called us to be people who are singers, I wonder, were you singing this morning? Yeah, I wonder, did you just stand with your mouth shut? Or were you singing? You see, that's what God wants us to be. He wants His people to be singers. He wants us to be people who are lifting Him up and encouraging one another with our singing. Now, singing is something you don't have to be in church to do. It's something that uh, I often find enjoyable as I drive. And usually there will be a song that we have sung on Sunday morning that uh, it keeps getting repeated in my mind, and I am able to sing that song. And I would encourage you to, to be that way, to be people who enjoy and who bless others by your singing. You see, I want to tell you when you do, you're going to leave a lot happier person. Now, unfortunately, everybody's not happy. Uh, I think of the lady that went to get her yearly physical, and uh, as she was filling out the papers, a nurse asked her, said, well, how much do you weigh? And she said, I weigh 135. She said, okay. And she said, how tall are you? She said, I'm five foot six. She said, good. And she wrote that down. 
And then she put the blood pressure cuff on her and said, you know, your blood pressure is pretty high here. She said, uh, I'm going to check these things. She said, get over here on the scale. Got on the scale and she said, huh, 160. She said, let me check your height. And she checked her height. Huh, she said, you're five foot three. She said, but why aren't you happy? She said, I can't be happy. She said, I came in here and I was tall and slim and I'm leaving, I'm short and fat. You know, I hope that you're not that way, but whatever it is, God wants you to be a happy person. He wants you to be enjoying that and He wants you to sing because we are God's children. And that is the way God wants us to express our joy unto Him is through our singing. And then He says, I want to tell you, I want you to be a person who is thankful as you thank God for what you have. God has so blessed us. And you know, we have so many wonderful things around us that we ought to be thankful to God for. I uh, did a wedding a couple years ago with a uh, uh, man who was a preacher at uh, one of the downtown churches. And we visited before the wedding about what was going to go on. And then uh, the conversation turned to our families. And he said, you know, Dick, he said, I preach on Sunday. But he said, it's hard because I know just a few blocks down the street that my son is in jail. I thought, how blessed I am to have children that both love God, and they love the church, and they love serving the Lord, and they're not in jail. And you know, there are people who are suffering all kinds of miserable things. But you and I who have been so blessed, we ought to be, Paul said, always giving thanks to God. You and I ought to be thankful people for what it is that we have and the way that God has blessed us. A couple of years ago, we were on vacation uh, up in Alaska. We had a motor home that we were touring around in that, that we had uh, rented. And uh, we were in the uh, place for uh, uh, campers in Homer, Alaska. And uh, I was walking through the, the campgrounds, and I noticed there was a brand new motor home there. And on the back, there was a sticker that uh, said it was from... Uh, Amarillo, Texas. I thought, man, here is somebody from Amarillo. We're going to see him up in, up in Homer, Alaska. And uh, I was kind of watching for the fella, and pretty soon and I saw him come out of his motorhome. I went over there, and I said, hey, I want to meet you. And I said, my name's Dick Marcier. I'm from Amarillo, Texas. Where are you from? And I thought he was going to say Amarillo. He said, I'm from Houston. I said, you're from Houston? I said, well, I saw that sticker on the back of your motorhome that said Amarillo, Texas, Jack Sizemore. I thought that's probably where you're from. He said, no. He said, uh, he said, I'm from Houston. He said, my doctor gave me orders, and he told me this. He said, you have no more than six months to live. He said, you know, when he told me that, I thought, you know, I'm going to make the most of this six months and he said, and I bought me a new motor home in Houston, and I headed to Alaska, and I got to Amarillo, and it broke down. 
He said, you know, he said, I didn't have time to sit around and wait them to repair it, so I just traded it in and bought me another new one and drove it up to Alaska. I thought, you know, probably a pretty smart thing to do. I, I wonder what you would do if you were told you only had a few months to live. I wonder how your life would change. I wonder what you would do in 2017. I wonder what kind of resolutions you would make about what you're going to do if you only had a few months to live. These are five that Paul gave us. Number one, he said, I want you to realize our time on earth is limited, so be careful how you live. And number two, he said, I want you to be people who make the most of every opportunity. And what you have an opportunity to do, I want you to do good. And number three, I want you to realize the days are evil, that, that we're in the midst of a world that's filled with darkness. And as children of God, we need to shine as the light. I want you to, number four, to understand what God's will is. I want you to be in the book so that you will understand what it is my Lord wants you to do and how He wants you to live and serve. And number five, I want you to be singing people. And I want you to be thankful people and grateful unto God for what He has done for you in His life. We're beginning a new year. You can start all over. And I hope that these guidelines will be some that will put us going in the right direction. Would you pray with me, please? Holy Father, what a blessing it is to know You as our Lord and to be in Your church. And dear Father, I just pray that as we live and serve this year, that we can do it, dear God, in a way that's going to truly be a sweet fragrance unto You, dear God. We love You, Lord, and I pray that we may love each other and serve You with all of our heart. For this is our prayer in Jesus' holy name.